Welcome to the Innovation Junkies Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Innovation Junkies Podcast. I'm Jeff Standridge. And this is Jeff Amarine. Glad to be back. Yeah, me too. You know, we had a great episode talking about the psychology of sales last week. And uh, this week, Jeff, we're going to be hopping into the art of influence and persuasion. We touched on it a little bit last week, but we're going to really dig in a little deeper on it uh, this week. That sounds good. I mean, sales and marketing go ahead, go together like exercise and diet, right? I mean, they, they, they're kind of inseparable if you want to have a good result. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I appreciate you kind of pointing that out to me. Well, that's what, that's why I'm really glad that this is only sort of a, <laughs> a, no a doubt. heads up broadcast. That's right. That's right. You can't, you can't see my Cheetos down here below the line. <laughs> so, yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about consumer behavior. You know, we touched on a little bit last week about the fact that clients – couldn't care less about what products and services you actually have to offer. Very seldom are they buying your brand or are they buying, particularly in the, in the you know, if, if we're anything below a household name, right? Uh, the, the top probably 1% of companies in the world, uh, they don't, they could care less about your brand as much as they're buying a solution to a problem or uh, an unmet need that they have. And so I think that's vitally, vitally important that we understand that and that our, that our listeners understand that as well. If you think that you're selling products, uh, you're probably going to be significantly less successful in your sales career than if you are uncovering needs, uncovering uh, prob- business problems, and solving those on behalf of your clients. And they're really buying a benefit, right? They're buying they a benefit or an outcome versus right. a feature or a function. That's exactly right. They're buying a benefit. They're buying an outcome. They're buying a solution. They're buying the end result. Uh, now, features and functions sometimes might help push it over the line. But if you don't already have uh, an identified unmet need that you're solving for, uh, it, you're, you're just you're just fighting an uphill battle, so to speak. That's why I think it's it's so important in the early stages of the process to make sure that you understand what their priorities are. What are the what are those benefits that they're trying to glean from a particular purchase? And and a lot of times you'll waste an inordinate amount of effort in the sales process by not going the extra step to understand how you can influence their thinking, but also really what's on their priority list. That's right. That's right. And I'm glad you brought that up. What's on their priority list? You know, um, clients will argue with your words, but they will not argue with their own. And so one of the things I like to do in a in a discovery call is to play back for the customer uh, or the prospect or, or, or the buying the person buying my solution is to say, hey, I'd like to play back for you what I think I heard. And I'd like you to tell me if I if I missed anything. You said that you have issue number one. Here's the problem that you're having or the challenge that you're having or the thing that you'd like to solve for. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, you did. Here's issue number two. And I explained that kind of to them as well. And here's issue number three. And generally, there are three to four of those issues that come out of a discovery call. And then I like to say, did I, did I hit all of those right? Yeah, you absolutely did. Well, did I miss any? Uh, no, I don't think, well, would you like to add any? And and sometimes they'll go maybe 15% of the time. They'll say, yeah, you know, there's one more. Maybe it's in that number two that you talked about, but there's another one around so-and-so. And I'll say, well, let's just add that one as a fourth one or as a fifth one. 
And so I'll play it back to them. They say, yeah, you got it. And I say, okay, did we get them all? Anything else you want to add? No, no, those are it. I said, so if we can solve those four issues for you, uh, you'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think I would. Well, let me ask you one more question. Could you rank order those for me in terms of what's most important, what's second, third, and fourth most important? And so when I walk away from that discovery meeting, I want to have those key issues that they have absolutely validated and even given me some of the words to use in them. And I want to get their priority order. So when I go back then with a proposal, I can say, you said to me this and you said to me that. And here's where we're coming in to address that. You know, it's also good as part of that. And, and, and we've talked about this before to understand how a purchase decision is made and who makes that decision. Yes. And that's you, you want to be real careful if you're talking with a technical influencer or a recommender not to be heavy handed in the way you do that to assume that they immediately think you want to go above their head. But oh, yeah. it is important to diplomatically understand how do you purchase? You know, what's the budget? What's the process? And you can do that in a way that won't kind of raise the hair on the back of the neck of the person you're talking to. Doing it wrong, though, is immediately making statements like, well, I was talking to your CEO, CEO or I know your board members. Yeah, because immediately yeah. it sort of puts the uh, that person that's a recommender that was probably hired to manage that area on the defensive because they assume, well, everybody in the world is told you got to sell to the C-suite. These guys are trying to figure out how to make me insignificant in the process. I com- completely agree with you. And and so many people think and, and I, I can always tell an, an inexperienced salesperson if they say, oh, yeah, our owner has a relationship with name CEO X, you know, or or with the CFO. He's best friends with the place golf every Friday with a CFO. Well, guess what? That's the quickest way to never get your foot in the door. Exactly. Because what happens is, particularly when you're doing enterprise sales, now selling into the mid market, okay, that that may be a, may may be different, but selling into enterprise sales, uh, when the CEO brings in a, uh, sometimes what we'll call, we used to call them, uh, we used to call them a, uh, a, a SIP, a CEO-initiated project, right? <laughs> and when, when, when someone comes in and they overly leverage their relationship with the CEO, there are throngs of people below the line, below the surface, looking to kill it for that very reason. Right. Uh, and so I go back to our friend Jeff Charlton, who said, you know, who spent a lot of time with Sam's Club as a technology executive and saying, you know, the greatest advice he ever gave was, you know, you really need to find a champion within the organization, uh, somebody who's not at the CEO level, who's somebody who's at a director, maybe a VP level, who's a champion within the organization and and do everything you can to make them a hero. And let them know that you're going to make them, you're going to give them all the credit for them solving this problem and then let them channel it up through the organization uh, because they know the politics, they know the decision makers, and they know how to get it to the right places. Yeah, you want want to make the potential hero or champion a hero or a champion and not a saboteur because you can convert them and they're going to make it their mission to make sure that your, your maybe great solution you have never sees the light of day if you do it wrong. That's right. So we, we to, to transition into kind of the, the, the content here of the art and, uh, uh, and influence of persuasion is, you know, we really start that with our marketing processes. Yeah. So we're constantly out there building a brand, so to speak, or building a brand recognition, building a uh, perception about our company through all of the marketing that we do. So we do it with our social media. 
And one of the biggest struggles I think organizations uh, have is they really don't know how to leverage their social media to to build and perpetuate the brand image that they really want to build and perpetuate. And so uh, the, the way they perceive themselves and the way they would tell you their brand image uh, is and what they would like their brand image to be. And you look at their social media, it's just completely discounted, uh, uh, disconnected rather, uh, because they're not they're not trying to use those two to, to drive one another. Sure. And, and depending upon you know what the target audience is, it can be subtly done through things like if you're selling to an enterprise, establishing thought leadership through things mm-hmm. like white papers, That's through right. podcasts, through really interesting blog posts. Those sorts of things begin to build a base of awareness that is, is really not hard selling anything necessarily. It's establishing okay. we're experts in this field and we're giving you valuable information without necessarily any expectation of anything coming from it. But what's really happening is they're beginning to associate your brand and your marketing message with somebody they ought to know because it could be valuable to them. That, that's right. You know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, our friends over at, at Dave Creek Media, who helped produce our podcast, uh, came up with the with the term "connected marketing architecture" for that for that very reason was because so many companies, particularly in the mid market, are completely disconnected. Uh, all of the various avenues of how they interact with a customer are completely disconnected. You know, they 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 had their website built by an offshore contractor in in some other country. Uh, their social media is being managed by the uh, the minority owner's third cousin's sister. And, um, you know, they've got their email campaigns are being run by somebody that that the owner met when he bought a dog from a guy. And I'm obviously <laughs> playing it up a little bit here, but but none of it's connected. And it's not really trying to it's not really working uh, uh, coherently to try to drive a particular brand message and to drive a drive a particular level of of authority and authenticity and so it's really it's 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 producing probably more negative benefit than it's producing positive. Absolutely, and and, and you can see that when those things are well connected. A good example would be if you've got an HVAC company, you know, more mm-hmm. kind of a standard, great uh, small business. The the ones that do a really good job that say, well, these are the sorts of things to think about when you're facing a hot summer season or a cold winter season. It doesn't, they don't have to try to sell you anything, those repair services or those visits. They're really giving the consumer something valuable. You know, now it's time to think about changing those filters out. It's not a hard sell in their marketing message. It's more of tips, it's education, it's maybe evangelizing for a new way to think about it. That's that is not used often enough sometimes in small business in particular. You know, you're exactly right. And and I I used to say this when I was working in the marketing field on more of a regular basis with Axiom Corporation is that the the availability of data and technology has far outgrown the vast majority of business people's ability to actually leverage it. Uh, the sophistication, uh, the the level of complexity, yet the level of potential benefit. So, so having someone that can come alongside you and actually provide you with strategy and t- ta- uh, uh, tools and tips and tactics or what have you to understand where where it is you're trying to go from from a marketing perspective, a brand imaging perspective, a lead generation perspective, or what have you. And then to help you put together a cogent strategy 
with all the different tactics and activities and what have you is it's it's it can be expensive but there's a much greater opportunity cost by not doing that than than by you know trying to string it together with all these people that really have don't have the expertise to bring it all together in a coherent whole no, it really is. It really is a great idea to have a, a firm like a Dave Creek Media that can come alongside. They understand what you're trying to achieve. They can build that framework and that structure. And then you might think, well, this is going to be a daunting task to come up with all this content. But a lot of that's been democratized in the last couple of years with AI right. tools. You can get that's on right. a chat GPT or GPT-4. You can come up with a variety of different blog posts, messages and different things. And And again, it won't do the thinking for you, but it will right. do some of the writing for you, put you in the editor mode. So a lot of that's been democratized in ways that never was before, where a business owner that can type in a prompt and play with that a little bit can come up with really good content. That's right. And then we move on down to, you know, measuring the output and, and really understanding what are the goals that you're trying to achieve with whatever marketing activities that you put out there, whether it's SEO are you trying to get the phone to ring? Are you trying to get website clicks? Are you trying to get uh, Are you trying to get page likes on your Facebook or or your inst- uh, your Instagram or your LinkedIn or whatever? What are the goals that you're trying to accomplish? And then build marketing strategies and measurement mechanisms to ensure that those goals are being met. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people they hire a, a a marketing firm that that is basically a black box and they don't know. They know what they're paying every month, but they're not exactly sure what they're getting in return. And they're scared to death that if they stop paying it, that it's going to turn some invisible funnel off and they're going to crater their business. And they just they live in fear all the time. So have a have a relationship with whomever your marketer is to, to, to have them work through with you to extract what are the goals you're trying to accomplish what activities will actually produce those at, those outcomes that you're looking for? And then how can we close the loop on a uh, weekly, uh, monthly basis and show you that you're actually getting those outcomes that you're paying for? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of classic scientific method or A-B testing on that. That's you've, right. got, you've got your outcomes and then you, you, you A-B test a particular strategy or tactic and you give it some period of time to work. And if it doesn't work, you don't just keep doing it you change to something else that will work. That process of iteration is really important. Really is. So the art and science of persuasion, that's today's episode. Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to start digging into storytelling, brand messaging, and how do you actually create, what is brand messaging? What is your, uh, you know, what is your brand promise? And how do we master the art of storytelling in our business? That'll be our next episode on the Innovations Junkies podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Feedback from listeners like you helps us create outstanding content. So if you like this episode, be sure to rate us or leave a review. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get the latest growth and innovation strategies. Thanks for tuning in to the Innovation Junkies podcast.